Hey, everybody. I wanted to share with you what happened with me during my last call, and I thought it'd be a great podcast episode. So I see a patient in triage, 34 weeks, having some contractions. Well, the short of it is, it ends up being just Braxton Hicks. Everything else was fine. But of course, after the long workup, I'm walking out of the room and I say, well, by the way, do you have any other questions before I leave? And she says, yeah, how do I get my legs to stop moving at night? I feel like I have to continually move them and I just don't get any rest. Well, of course, after the entire workup, we get restless leg syndrome right as we're getting ready to discharge. So my next question to her was, well, are you taking your iron supplements? And of course, she was a little shocked that I asked about her iron supplementation when she was asking about restless leg syndrome. So she said, what does that have to do with it? Well, actually, a lot. And no, she wasn't taking, by the way, her iron supplements. So in this podcast, let's cover restless leg syndrome and what we now know about its specific link to iron during pregnancy. Restless leg syndrome, or RLS, is often referred to by its other name, its official name. Do you know what that is? Because I didn't. I had to look that up. It's Willis-Eckbaum disease. That's W-I-L-L-I-S, then E-K-B-O-M. Yep, Willis-Eckbaum disease, in case somebody brings that up. Now, this is a common sensorimotor disturbance with prevalence in the general population around 10%. Disturbed sleep, in particular, is much more prevalent in females than in males, and numerous studies have reported that RLS affects women about twice as often as males across all levels of severity. It's also much more frequent in pregnancy. About 26% of pregnant women will actually have RLS, so don't forget to ask about this condition. Additionally, it frequently becomes worse or can appear for the first time during pregnancy with more intense symptoms experienced during the third trimester. Now, resolution of symptoms typically occurs within a few months after delivery, although restless leg syndrome may resolve as early as two weeks after delivery. So telling women, hey, just hang in there, don't worry, it'll pass with delivery is true, but what you're not telling them is that it could take weeks to months. So it is a real condition and it really does affect sleep quality, which of course we know affects overall quality of life because you're just kind of pissy when you don't sleep well at night. And remember that altered sleep long term isn't just a emotional wellness issue. It's also a physical issue because it leads to altered levels of cortisol and it leads to system wide inflammation and in some studies even high blood pressure. Restless leg syndrome is characterized by an urge to move the legs due to unpleasant sensations. The symptoms occur at rest, are relieved by movement, and usually worsen in the evening. Now, the key to diagnosing RLS is a careful history. The diagnosis is dependent upon the clinical criteria that was proposed and adopted by the International RLS Study Group, and that can be found online. The revised criteria are composed of both essential and supportive criteria. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, just what's behind this pathophysiology of this condition? Well, although the pathophysiology of RLS is still largely unknown, we do know several things. Its prevalence is influenced by ethnicity, age, and gender. Many factors that might contribute to its pathophysiology have been proposed, of which three are the most discussed, but they are not independent. First is dysfunction of the nigrostriatal dopaminergic system. What? Now, that's back to neurology, but remember that it could be linked, first of all, to dopamine sensitivity and release, and we'll get to that in a minute. The second issue in pathophysiology that's been proposed is depletion of iron and ferritin. Now, that's huge for pregnancy because of the normal physiological drop in iron levels and ferritin levels. So that's the one that really means something to us. So yes, RLS is linked to depletion of iron and iron stores ferritin. And third, in pathophysiology, is that there definitely seems to be a genetic influence. So this genetic issue can also be related to how iron is stored or metabolized in the body. So all of these issues, whether it's dopaminergic function, it's iron storage and use, or just some other epigenetic issue is not clear, but we definitely know that there is a role for iron storage and iron levels, and that means a lot for us, especially when we take care of pregnant women. RLS is divided into two main types or etiologies primary, which is also called idiopathic, and secondary. Primary RLS is strongly influenced by genetic components, while secondary RLS is caused by other associated conditions, like end-stage renal disease or peripheral neuropathy. Of course, as we've already mentioned, another common condition associated with RLS is pregnancy, and so that would fall under secondary RLS because the other condition is the pregnant condition. The prevalence of RLS during pregnancy, as we've already stated, is two to three times higher than in the normal population, and it's influenced by the trimester and the number of parity. So that's the clinical pearl. Females with greater parity show more predisposition to develop RLS later in life. So greater parity and advancing age are two factors, especially in pregnancy, that can be tied to RLS development. Okay, so let's get into this whole issue of iron. This issue of iron in causality is very impactful in pregnancy as iron and ferritin levels tend to naturally decrease. So listen to this. An analysis of the frequency of iron deficiency anemia in women with RLS showed that 29% of women with RLS had iron deficiency, but only 10% of women who did not suffer from RLS were anemic. Iron is an important metal in biological processes in the central nervous system, and its deficiency plays a role in the pathophysiology of other neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and is also associated with this occurrence of RLS. So don't forget that clinical pearl. That's one of the take-home messages. There's definitely a link between low iron, low ferritin, and RLS development. Lowered iron and ferritin concentrations in cerebrospinal fluid have also been demonstrated in affected people, and similar results have been obtained with postmortem analyses. Iron is essential for some oxidative processes in mitochondria, so its reduction seems to affect neuronal metabolism and the development of RLS.
Now, remember, we haven't talked about treatment yet because I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. Don't we have meds for RLS? And we do, but it's not that clear cut. So the next thing that I want to get into is the specific types of treatment that's endorsed by both SMFM and ACOG and even the RLS Society for treatment or management of this condition in pregnancy. All right, podcast family, we're going to leave management of RLS in pregnancy for part two. So this was our introduction to RLS in pregnancy and its specific link to iron and low ferritin levels. So hang in there. We're going to cover part two next, and we're going to get into the specific management of this condition for these women who just can't get any rest during pregnancy. First, they're pregnant. That's already uncomfortable. And then they got to keep moving their legs the whole night long. So just have some compassion, some empathy for this condition, and we'll do management in part two. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. 